You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Out with Manu Kakopian. This week, we are joined by Stepan Partamian, the social critic, publisher, and author that is has been known for the past few decades in the Armenian community for providing thought-provoking commentary on all kinds of Armenian issues. And uh, today, we're we're joined by Stepan. Stepan, thank you very much for joining us. Luis Manu. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I know, um, you know, you do a lot of different things, and we see you on television, mm-hmm. we see you in books, we see you in museums, we see you in exhibits and wine fests. Stepan, how do you introduce yourself in, to- in 2019? Well, usually I don't like to be labeled in any of the aspects that I do. I'm just a human being who's capable of doing multiple things. And I guess that's what makes me different from everybody else in sense of not that everybody else cannot do so many things at the same time. Uh, The way I think, the way I do things in the Armenian community, uh, which I don't follow the norm, I just establish things that are unique and new. And sometimes they are so old that nobody knows it's Armenian. And uh, my success is because I'm different than the rest. Yeah, and uh, I know you do, like you said, all these different things, but what what keeps your drive and passion going these days? I know you've gone through health complications in years past where uh, you, you've, you've struggled to get back up, but here you are fighting again. What keeps you motivated? Uh, my passion is being an Armenian. Uh, I respect all races, all nations, but I'm so lucky that I was born within the Armenian identity, and my blood is a different blood. So if people are going to get offended by that, let them go and do some research on what the ancient Armenian blood is. It's one of the first blood on this planet, and DNA is the first DNA. So I think that element is in me, and that's what drives me to uh, try to achieve more than what the common Armenian do. Again, uh, my interest, my existence is just to produce, involve, um, create Armenian stuff. And throughout the years, uh, throughout the last couple of decades, actually, you know, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who has been in Los Angeles and abroad, I mean, your show is distributed internationally, but you really made um, a name for yourself in the Los Angeles market a couple of decades ago by hosting your own show, which you still um, partake mm-hmm. in and, and produce. But you really provided a uh, different and thought-provoking uh, commentary that well, kind, kind of ruffled people's feathers. Do you, do you embrace the contrarian role to, to really bring a different side of thinking? No. Well, see, I hate hypocrisy. And today, Armenians are hypocrites when it comes to their own identity. We've been bastardized with so many different elements. And since We've been scattered all over the world. Everybody thinks that wherever they come from and whatever their grandparents did in those countries, which were which they have adopted um, that cultural values, uh, they think that it is the Armenian value. And it's so funny that um, U.S. or Los Angeles, Southern California, is the salad where all Armenians exist in. 
without knowing that all of them together can make a good salad, each tries and says that their way of doing is the right thing. Now, people might say that what I'm saying is uh, my way of doing things is the right thing, but I go with proofs and uh, documents of what an Armenian culture should be. Uh, therefore, uh, it doesn't imply to me. Let me, let me be so arrogant by saying that. Stepan, uh, before we move forward, and there's going to be so many juicy topics for us to talk about, mm-hmm. um, I, I want the the listeners to kind of know who Stepan Partanyan is. I mean, when we see you on TV, we see you as a social critic, we see you as a commentator. But, you know, you have done so many different projects and you have worked on so many different things throughout your your career in media and in Armenian media. I want to kind of take a step back and go through your formative mm-hmm. years. I know you went to uh, a un- of the four-year university here. You got to yeah. start on Horizon. Please take me through those formative years and well, how your career started. Okay, I arrived to Los Angeles in 1981. I worked in a gas station for nine months. And then after that, I went to Glendale Community College to get my education. From there, I went to Northridge. And the reason I um, attended Northridge is uh, to have a degree just to be able today to tell people that I'm an educated person. I think life itself is more gives you more education than any university on this planet. Uh, I... In 1982, there was an Armenian TV program, One Hour Armenian TV. My passion is in filmmaking. Um, So I worked there, and I was the editor, the lighting man, the camera person, the sound engineer, the director, the producer, and everything. Uh, I didn't want to have a degree, but just for the sake of having a label put on me that I'm a graduate of a radio TV film, I went and I got my, my degree. And I think my 38 years here being in the United States of America or life itself has educated me more than any university can provide me with a degree or not because of my logical thinking. And I don't follow the norms. I'm a free-spirited person. So I don't think any education, it turns you into a parrot or, you know, like when a parrot uh, starts announcing names and words, that's what they have learned from people next to them. Uh, Yet, they can never put a sentence together with all the words that they have learned. So, a university graduate is a person who wants to specialize in a certain thing, like a surgeon, and they say, if you open up the vein from here, you have to close it from there. And you become a parrot just following the rules. Um, So... I think my education is not that important. It is my life experience is more important. And of course, uh, education aside, those life experiences have uh, led to very numerous projects and books and yeah. um, magazines. <laughs> Would you please share a few uh, of the highlights that you're proud of? Okay. Well, uh, I have a record company called Garni which has produced over 60 albums in the 1990, mid-1990s, which Armenians never liked because it was Armenian. It didn't have the adoptive culture of Lebanon, which I am from. It didn't have the adoptive culture of Iran or Turkey or Israel or uh, Greece or France or America. Uh, therefore, 
spontaneously overnight I became popular with my pro- uh, producing those albums within very small portion of the Armenians. Then in 19, uh, 18, 1990s, end of 1990s, because I used to go and promote these albums or concerts that I used to put to Armenian TV programs here. And then uh, people would be mesmerized with the way I was explaining what Armenian culture is. And TV uh, producers would call me back and say, we want you back because we had so many people call and say, it's interesting the way he thinks. So in 1999 or 2000, uh, I started my own show because I fed up of the hypocrisy that this community was going through, where we are everything and nobody else is, yet we are just like everybody else. So I went on the air and my first program was uh, Armenians are so proud of their ethnicity and identity and culture, and Glendale is the mecca of the Armenians in Southern California. Please provide me with the name of an Armenian restaurant. And there wasn't any Armenian restaurant. There were restaurants owned by Armenians. There was a Mexican restaurant. There was a Persian restaurant, Lebanese restaurant, um, different ethnic, ethnic uh, restaurants owned by Armenians. But there was no place that you can say, let me go introduce it to Armenian cuisine. So that instigated um, a way of thinking within the community that we are so proud of our BSs, yet we don't have anything to show for it. And I became the number one enemy because I was opening up a warm box that um, so many people didn't want it to be opened. And I went from, because food is very important in human existence, so my first show was about that. And after that, uh, every day for the last almost 20 years, uh, or 18 years, 19 years, I went on the air and I spoke about something that, was not right in our community. And the covers, the cover-ups that uh, our leaders and organizations were doing just for their existence, I started talking about them. And throughout the years, a lot of people who viewed your shows, they they can see how the viewers get riled up, the callers, some of mm-hmm. the, they're, you know, they're either pro or against. I don't think anyone is towing the middle line when it no, comes to- No, there is no, Either you like me or you hate me. Yeah. What do you think the percentage is? Do you feel like more people like you or hate you? Well, right now more people like me because I became so popular because the younger generation says, you think different from our elderly. You're not trying to cover our mistakes. And the younger generation, throughout our centuries, we have always covered our mistakes. And that's why the oldest nation on this planet is only around 8 million people right now. It doesn't mean that we don't know how to have babies. But we put, we have a standard uh, box that if you're, if you're outside of the box, you, can, you cannot belong to the Armenian uh, nation. So the younger generation loves me because I say it the way it is. And the older ones, uh, initially they will hate me, but once they start becoming thinking about what I'm saying, after two years they become my best viewers. Uh, so... Percentage-wise, I always have this percentage saying 51% of Armenians are stupid, 49% of Armenians are smart. I am working on 2% only so that I will have the ability to say that Armenians are smart people. Now, some of the audience right now listening to me, they're going to be agitated by what I said. 
But uh, again, if they're angry about me that I said Armenians are stupid, I have five books about how Armenians have changed the planet. Individual Armenians who have contributed to humanity and made a difference to 7.5 billion people. But those individuals are individuals. They don't represent the nation. They represent themselves. And here is the hypocrisy. If you see a smart Armenian or famous Armenian, you identify yourself with them. But if you see a stupid Armenian and a bad Armenian, whatever that category is, you always, you don't want to associate yourself with them. So um, I work on 2%, so I'll be able to raise the 49% to 51 and say Armenians are smart. And you know, Stepan, you mentioned the books. I think our relationship goes back about 10 years now, around 2009 when we first met, when I was at Yerevan Magazine. At the time, yeah. you were yeah. documenting um, all of the different things that uh, our Armenians had done throughout the United States, documenting church, doc documenting street names, documenting, yeah. uh, you know, inventions and all sorts yeah. of different things. Um, why is it that you are so uh, enthusiastic and passionate about the documentation and, you know, the knowledge truck and, and all these different things that you've been a part of over the last few years? Yeah. Well, see, it's, it's ironic to see that uh, when you as a nation have so much uh, richness, so much input to humanity, yet you are concentrating on religion only. Because right now, if you tell anybody Armenian, there are two things that Armenians will tell the, uh, the whole population. We were the first Christian people, and do you know what Hitler said when he went through the, uh, the Jew Jewish Holocaust? Armenians are not only those two uh, uh, informations. We, we have made a change to 7.5 billion people today. Every listener right now who is listening has been affected by an Armenian throughout science, uh, throughout engineering, throughout uh, so many inventions. So my point, in, I have two categories that I document. I document individuals who have contributed something to society. And the other thing is I document locations. We Armenians have been scattered all over the world since beginning of the world. Uh, yet we concentrate ourselves that we are descendants of Noah, which that's the biggest lie on this planet. Uh, so I said in 21st century, when a kid can have an iPhone or an Android phone and can take a picture of anything stupid he or she are doing or anything smart he or she are doing, how come we don't document our existence on planet Earth? Because I want in the 27th century people to say, well, on the 21st century, Armenians were all over. The and I always make a joke that the World Wide Web before its virtual existence existed within the Armenians who have been in every place. So till today, I have documented 25 countries in three categories. The Armenian alphabet in a public place, the Armenian flag in a public place, and in local languages, Armenian names. That proves to you that Armenians were there or are there. So therefore, I have another 58 countries to document, and I'm celebrating the existence. That's why it's taking too much time, because if I told Armenians and Armenian organizations I'll be documenting where my grandfather's father was killed in Urfa, he was burned in an oven. If I said I'm going to go there and take a picture of that, they would financially support me. But since I'm saying that, look, guys, 
we are all over the world and we are in a very good status. It is one of the best statuses the Armenians have all over the world right now. From being the richest people, from being the creative people, from being uh, inputting to society and such on. Let's document those things. But uh, because I always have another saying that uh, we Armenians get happy with our sadnesses and then we become sad with our happinesses. So therefore, since 2009, my first year that I documented everything Armenian in the U.S., in 50 days, I went through all the states. Uh, I've been still hustling to make ends meet and then sell my books with that money, travel the world. And um, as you know, my hashtag is with your money. I do everything with your money, and nobody has given me any money except if they have bought them, if they have bought my books. So I take the finance, financial uh, gain of that book and spend it in the next documentation. Is that one thing you're proud of, Stepan, to maintain your independent voice, to not being a part of any sort of institution or organization? I know Definitely. you. I know you have your hand involved in a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, you are your own entity and independent. Is that something that you find critical for you to have that unbiased well, voice? I have, I, I have helped every organization, and I will continue to help every organization, Armenian organization, when I see they're doing something good. Um, I resent, and I don't want to do anything with them. Uh, I like to be independent. When I produced over sixty albums. So many Armenian musicians told me that I have no background uh, musical education. I have no background in music. I know nothing. And how come I'm, I'm producing those albums? I said, if I had a musical education, if I had been part of the institutions, I would have known that Tchaikovsky and Mozart are the best things, and I would like to become like Mozart, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, or any pop singer, Madonna or everybody else. But since I don't have any musical education and I don't know anything about music, but I feel the Armenian identity, which is by itself a very rich uh, musical uh, uh, heritage, then I can produce. And it's so funny that my albums that I have produced have have had very much claims by non-Armenians and non-Armenian musicians who know more about Armenian music than Armenians themselves. And whatever you hear today in the Armenian community as music, 99.9% is not Armenian. And that's what makes me thrive more to prove first to the Armenians that they need to come out of their hidden uh, identity by covering it with whatever makes money today and be proud of our uniqueness because in today's society if you are unique people will listen to you but if you are a person who's going to be singing like madonna or Celine Dion because you have the capacity of doing those nobody has interest in you because you're just a monkey doing what they are doing you're just duplicating what they're doing but if you present the armenian colleagues the armenian folk element the whole planet will listen to you. Oh, well, why do you feel, Stepan, you have a voice that also resonates internationally? I know uh, you've spent a lot of time in Armenia. You've went around the world. Why do you think you're, you have a voice that resonates internationally? Uh, because it's the same situation in every community. See, I, I, can, I traveled 25 countries and documented everything Armenian, 
Yet I know nothing about those countries with their touristic attractions. My interest was not the touristic attractions in Paris. My interest wasn't the touristic att- attractions in Myanmar. My interest was not the touristic attraction in uh, Spain. My interest was, was uh, what Armenians in there done that. Uh, and there's like there's a proven research that the first inhabitants of the European continent are Armenians. Uh, because the Basques are Armenians. Their their forefather is called Haitor, which means the grandson of an Armenian. And he had seven kids who his the Basque country right now is has seven uh regions with the names of the kids and there are so many similarities of rivers, valleys, mountain names in the Basque country. And just a few years ago uh, European scientists and historians proved that the first inhabitants were the Basque. Uh, so it's not that today we have a scattered, it's not that after the genocide we have a scattered. We've been all over the planet from its inception and not because of Noah, way before Noah. And Stepan, I know, ironically or coincidentally, however you want to call it, you're actually flying back to Armenia today. You're actually talking yeah. to me right now from Los Angeles, but you're flying yeah. back to Armenia. I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, yeah. I want to talk about all of the work that you're doing in Armenia, how you've seen the nation shift uh, in the post-Pashinyan uh, era, and um, okay. what the what the General Life project that you're working on is all about. So let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back right after. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And we are back with uh, Stepan Partamian, the notable social critic, author, publisher, man of many talents that uh, the Armenian community has uh, known to learn and love throughout the last few decades here in the Los Angeles community and abroad. And when I say abroad, we actually do mean it because Stepan is hours away from flying back to Armenia for his extended stay again for the second time this year. Stepan, uh, I know you were there for several months earlier this year. You came back for the holidays for all of the work that you do for the Armenian Fund and some of the other projects that you are working with. Uh, for, for those who don't know, please explain why you are living in Armenia, why you've made that decision to do so. It's very ironic that Armenia became independent in 1991. And before that, we had the excuse that Armenia is a part of the Soviet Socialist uh, uh, republics, and life for us over there is not as secure as any other place. I was born in Lebanon, 1962. I migrated to the U.S. for education and a better life in 1981. And uh, finally, I was able to let go of the, the quicksand that I, am, I was in in the U.S., uh, and moved to Armenia uh, just uh, July 4th of this year. And I wanted it to be very ironic with how I'm doing things. I like dates. Um, 
I mean, I don't mean dates with females, dates with... Uh, <laughs> I know you like those, too. Uh, you you, 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 <laughs> docu- like you too, document yeah. many, many dinner dates at Phoenicia. You know, th- I'd like to thank you for the invite that I never get, but still, you know. <laughs> well, you have to... You have to be a female first. <laughs> All right. I'm so sorry. If anybody wants to sue me, my name is Stepan Partanian. Please go ahead and do. Um, so basically, uh, as I said, I was able to release myself from the quicksand that we are in, in any country, uh, with our uh, daily, uh, um, the daily way of doing. And then after 38 years of living in the U.S., it's hard to leave and go to a third world country, which is Armenia. Now Armenians are mad at me because I said that thing, which I don't care because I'm saying the reality. So uh, I want, and then people ask me, is this the patriotism? Is this your uh, pride of moving to Armenia? I said, no, it is my selfishness. I am a selfish per- person. Others are nationalists. Armenians are selfish, including myself. Uh, it would take me two years or three years to work, put money on the side, so I can travel and document five to ten countries within two months, make pay my bills here in the state, pay the bills of the travel, uh, and then it takes me another three years. And that's why since 2009, it's only 25 countries I have documented. But if I had $50,000, I would document the whole planet in within six months. So basically in Armenia right now, I can take the plane on a Monday and go to Bulgaria document the Armenian in Bulgaria in three days and come back and I've spent only probably a thousand dollars. So it is the it is the easy way of me documenting the purpose of my life which is it is nothing to do with every other thing that I do except before I die I want to document 58 more countries and leave a legacy the only person in the history of this planet has been in everything Armenian on the planet itself. And that's my selfishness. So I am so uh, straightforward with, with this talk. In Armenia, I, I have a bigger celebrity status because things have changed from the old Soviet mentality to the new liberal thinking, which I am one. Now, people might not like the statement, but everybody's entitled to whatever they want to do. Um, so the younger generation in Armenia is more proud of me, uh, I can say, than the elder elder generation. And it's so interesting that when I walk in Yerevan, it's like I have a very big celebrity status. People follow me, come to me, they want to take pictures and such on. I don't get involved in politics right now. My politics is culture, but uh, me, and then people ask me, are you, what are you going to do, be doing? This? Because people have the tendency that you need to go and open up an institute or you need to give lectures, you need to do this, you need to empower and such on. I say, no, I'm not doing anything like that. Me just sitting down with the one individual having coffee. I, by the way, them having coffee, I don't like coffee. Uh, me drinking water or tea or whatever. Uh, and us talking to each other, be, I'd be doing more positive things to that individual's life in the way of thinking. And therefore, on a daily basis, I meet with so many young people in Armenia. And that is the right way of doing things instead of 
saying that we need to help Armenia economically, we need to help Armenia intellectually, we need to help Armenia. No, we need to make sure that the next generation in Armenia will be proud of their Armenian identity and not like everybody else who wants to be uh, an American musician, a French musician, a, uh, I don't know, Middle Eastern musician, have more money with that. So my mission in Armenia is to change the yes, which is meaning I, into we. Instead, So instead of saying I, I want people to start thinking of which lacks in Armenia, because don't forget, the Soviet mentality was all about how you can screw your brother or sister or family members so you can make more money. Did I say the wrong thing again? My name is Stefan Partamian. Soon. <laughs> love, love it or hate it, you're unapologetic, and I think that's what people can respect at the end of I'm, the day. And yeah, because I'm saying the truth. I'm not, I'm not creating uh, anything which is false. I'm just saying the truth. Um, now, going back to the earlier conversation with the Geno Life Project, I know that's very near and dear to your heart. Uh, what is the Geno Life Project about? Well, years ago, uh, because as I said, uh, Armenians uh, get sad with their happinesses and become happy with sadnesses. I was one of those people too. Where on April 24th every year demonstration, I would have organized, I'll be part of the youth organization committee, organizing, saying, yelling, screaming. But then at the end of the day, next year we'll come back and do the same thing, and we forget about all those things. So since those years, I've been asking the community and the organization to change our mentality toward the Armenian genocide. Uh, the recognition of the Armenian genocide means nothing to me. Not the U.S. government, neither the Russian government. The Russian government has acknowledged the Armenian genocide since 1995. Nothing has changed. The U.S. government, if it acknowledges as a law, nothing is going to change. But we are so naive as Armenians, and I think that's because of our Christian faith, because we believe when we die, we're going to have this great happiness in some place that doesn't exist. So I say let's forget about the recognition of the Armenian genocide. Let's con concentrate on the contributions of Armenians after the genocide to the 7.5 billion people on the planet. When you know your grandfather is alive, or he lived another 15 years because of his kidney transplant happened because of Dr. Jan Najarian, you have more respect to the Armenian nation that gave Dr. Jan Najarian. When you know that your wife who cannot drive a stick shift is able to drive automatic, again, females don't get offended, I didn't mean anything, but that's the truth. Sometimes it's like that in the old days. Uh, she can drive a car because of the automatic transmission and she can go to work, she can take the kids to school and all those things. It is because of Asadur Sarafian. So all these, and all those people are genocide survivors' kids or genocide survivors themselves. So, and before that. So I came up with the word called Geno Live, L-I-V-E. Uh, a typical, Armenians don't like to elevate each other, even though we have so many poems and things about that, that you have to elevate yourself and then elevate another Armenian such on. They made fun of me, saying that, who do you think you are? Are you a linguist? Are you a person who knows uh, languages and such on? I said, no, but I have common sense and I have logic that most of you guys don't have because you guys still 
wanting the U.S. government or the European other countries to recognize the Armenian genocide. And what what is after that? So a few years ago, uh, when I published uh, in the newspapers a press release saying that I'll be creating an Armenian center, a general life center in Armenia by me moving there, uh, Dr. Israel Charney from University of Jerusalem, who is one of the biggest authors and uh, um, uh, scholars in the genocide studies, wrote to me an email saying, what a wonderful word you have created. It is the rotten word. For, uh, the, it is the uh, antidote to the rotten word genocide. And he goes, I'll be, I'll be starting using that word in my publications, and I don't know how I can help you to make this word internationally known because it doesn't only make good to Armenians, it is for humanity. So I wrote back to him and said, allow me to send a press release to the Armenian community first, saying that you approve of this word. And ironically, when I did that thing, all the individuals, which I remember from almost 15, 10 years ago, who bashed me, called me and told me what a good thing I have done. So spontaneously, my reaction to them was, weren't you that idiot who called me 10 years ago and told me uh, I have no knowledge of language and I don't know anything? So I said it to their face. So General Live is celebration of Armenian contributions to humanity. And basically, I'm concentrating after the genocide. Genocide is a word created by uh, uh, Luckman. I forgot his his name, or uh, more specifically about the elimination of a nation, of a race. And he represented the, the, the Armenians in his statement. Genolive is about Armenians who lived, who survived and prevailed, and came back and did what they had to do since the creation of the planet, where Armenian contributions uh, not today, not in modern history, not in the ancient history, but in the Bronze Ages, even before that. Um, just recently, two years ago, they found a 300,000 years old settlement in Armenia with so many tools in there. So it is celebration. And uh, I'll be opening up an exhibit room in Yerevan, which will exhibit different individuals who have contributed to society. And for that, I have created an app called April 24th. Uh, it will be developed. Right now, there's only Armenians from the U.S. there. Uh, but it will be developed to in, in, include uh, so many Armenians who have contributed to humanity uh, before and after the genocide. So it is a celebration of our happinesses. Uh, for every action, there are two reactions. One is positive, one is negative. We Armenians, and I'm saying we, because I was one of them too, and I got liberated, but I still take the burden on myself that throughout my younger years, nobody told me that what I'm doing was the stupidest thing, just yelling and screaming on every April 24th. So uh, we will be celebrating uh, our happinesses, in society. Now, Stepan, you're also making a conscientious decision to move your life back to Armenia. I mean, you were born in Lebanon. Your formative years and your adult years as a father were here in 
Los Angeles, but you're mm-hmm. making a conscientious decision to move back to Armenia. Just from a day-to-day yeah. standpoint, uh, how is Armenia now in the in the post-Pashinyan world as an as an Armenian American who is moving mm-hmm. back to Armenia? How would you describe the country right now? Well, I don't think anything has changed except few political stands where certain um, monopolies are not allowed. But the mentality of the human being in Armenia is still the same. So in 2005, I was the, uh, that was the first year I visited Armenia. Because on my, throughout my shows, I would talk about the Armenian identity, yet I haven't been to Armenia. So I was another hypocrite well, coming to that. So I went and visited. They asked me in one of the TV interviews there at the, at the main TV station, uh, what do you see the future of Armenia? At that time, in 2005, I said, Exactly one generation, and there'll be a revolution in this country. Now, uh, my stand is this wasn't a revolution. This was a change of power because revolution will be very um, straightforward movement. Uh, Now there was a change of power, but with people who are thinking differently, they're more modern thinkers. So now... This last four months that I was, remember, after that, every year I'll go to Armenia twice. And in 2011, I lived there for 11 uh, months. Now, with the second generation, I think Armenia will have a real revolution in the way of thinking. Nothing political, but in the way of thinking. And the joke is one of the, once the older population is dead and the younger generation who are more realist exist in power, Things will be changing. Uh, I'm enjoying life in Yerevan because uh, I am capable of doing that. Uh, but Armenians in Yerevan, they're still thinking of leaving the country, going to abroad because life abroad is better. So me being there uh, is kind of even helping them not to move. Because one of the few kids, they're like in their 19, 20, 21, who have graduated, and they said, they work and their salary is $200. And they have heard that in the U.S., their salary, you can make minimum 2000 or $2,500. But they don't know that if you rent an apartment in Glendale for one bedroom, you're going to pay $1,700. So the minute I tell them, but you're going to end up having less money than the $200 in America when you're going with nothing. Uh, so they realize that, no, I'm saying the truth because... Unfortunately, the hypocrisy from Armenians who have moved from Armenia to here is to show to their relatives in Armenia that they're doing great because of the loans and all those pictures that they take in front of or the nightlife that they do. But nobody knows that those are paid by the credit card. I'm not talking about the wealthy ones, but I'm talking the common person, which is the majority. Well, Stepan, there's nothing like being broke and living in a... Uh, apartment in Glendale. So I mean, if that's the li- if that's the lifestyle no, no, no. they want to attain, that, that, that's me. That's me. With, <laughs> I don't show up with anything. I have my jeans and my shirt on. Even to events, I go like that. But uh-huh. uh, unfortunately, majority of Armenians want to show off. And I mean, uh, and then, and then you are sucked into the illegal way of doing business to make money. So our reputation in in America has gone negative. Uh, since the time I came, and not because of me, but 
uh, I remember back in the years where people would hire any Armenian because they were honest, straightforward people. And now they question. And this is the reality. Now people are going to get mad. If I was wealthy right now, people would sue me. But since I'm not wealthy, monetary wealthy, but I am wealthier than even Bill Gates and uh, anybody rich, the richest person on the planet, because they cannot be Stepan Partamian. So nobody sues me. Well, Stepan, the... we're, wait, we're waiting for the right time for you to get all the money in the world so we can go right there and really show it to you. But, you know, we're, ta we're talking about you going to Armenia, but at the same yeah. time, you're eventually going to come back. I know you're working no, on a very no. uh, fascinating project called the Guinea Fest, which I've been fortunate enough to attend in previous mm -hmm. years. Uh, can you please talk about Guinea Fest and when that is next year? And when can we expect to see you back in Los Angeles? Well, the philosophy is this. When I decided moving to Armenia, I'm going to come work for one month in the U.S. and then go live for five months. And then when the five months is over, I'm going to come back and work for one month and then go back and live for five months. So I'm not saving any money. I'm just whatever I make, I spend. And that's the beauty of life. All those people who have lots of money in their banks, yeah, they're, they're, they sleep with worry that if that bank goes bankrupt, what's going to happen? I don't, I endure life to it. So my mission in the U.S. has been to take the Armenian culture and go outside of the kitchen. Uh, the only Armenian concert at Hollywood Bowl in 2007, I co-produced. It was my idea. I presented it. The, the Los Angeles Philharmonic accepted it to do it after seven years of negotiation, attended by 15,000 audience, which only like 3,000 were Armenians in a community that has over 300,000 Armenians. Uh, so I take the Armenian identity, I go. With my record company, if you guys remember Tower Records, Virgin Megastores, I was the only Armenian CD supplier to them. And they trusted me so well that I would send them CDs that they can sell, but not CDs that could not be sold at their place. So they have given me the right to do those things. Um, the, so many projects outside of the Armenian community, it's done by me. I don't drag about it, but right now, because I'm 58 and I'm moving to Armenia, I, I have started dragging about it. So Kini Fest is the oldest winery, even before Noah, who Armenians believe that Noah planted the grape, and that's why the Armenian grape is the best grape on this planet, and Arani and such on. So 6,100 years ago, there was an Armenian winery in a cave that they just found out years ago like five or seven years ago it is the oldest armenian winery they found the oldest shoe on the planet that cave has so much information that can destroy every knowledge that's been bombarded on humanity in this last hundred years because nature provides proofs of things that uh, all the books that they have written about uh based on who is going to benefit from that uh, information so I said, why don't we present Armenian wine to the general public in Los Angeles? And Kini in Armenian is wine. Festival. So I took two, the English and the Armenian language, and I created the word Kini Fest, which is Armenian Wine and Spirit Festival. And it is in third, it will be in the third annual year, next year, May 31st, and it will be at uh, Castaways in Burbank. Uh, because every year we are like doubling the type of people are coming. And what I do is I invite 
so many restaurateurs who are not Armenian, so many Somalis who are not Armenian, and if they are Armenian, they can ask me, I will invite them to because I am the richest person on the planet. They will come and have the experience of tasting the Armenian wine because Armenians feel that because we have the best wine, everybody has to taste it. It doesn't work like that. Marketing doesn't work like that. You have to make the person drink it, eat it, whatever it is, so that they will come and start buying it and make it into a financial uh, gain. So that was the reason. First year, I had 10 wineries from Armenia. Second year, I had 20 wineries from Armenia, 10 brandy companies from Armenia, three beer companies from Armenia. So once it started happening, people started believing in what it, uh, the event. So this year, we're anticipating a huge number of participants as an audience or uh, Armenian wine and spirit uh, provider. And I'll have I'll announce uh, another surprise uh, in um, 2020 at, during Kini Fest for the 2021 the Kini Fest. So I'm always working, thinking, even though I don't have a 9-to-5 job, which Armenians love, and when they look at you that you don't have a 9-to-5 job, they consider you uh, a person who's not working. So a very big event happening next year and a bigger event happening the year after. Well, Stepan, it's it's part of the reason why uh, we're always enthralled by your exciting projects. Uh, we're looking forward to Guinea Fest. Uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough for anyone who hasn't attended. Uh, if you want to see and experience all different kinds of wine, food, delicacies, cheese, nuts, you name it, entertainment, and all in a great setting. Um, I, I personally am looking forward to it. And I think it's, you know, that's the only way we're going to get you back. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian.